Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and I am joined as always by Mike Morandi and Dave Glenn. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, Hello, gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic or old movies in a modern cinematic context to determine whether or not they hold up. You can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. That's exciting news. Yes. Email. <laughs> I mean, come on. How else are you going to get in touch with us? Um, and today's episode, we are going to talk about the 1971 cult classic Harold and Maude to determine whether or not it holds up. Um, and uh, this is a movie that uh, I don't think did very well in its first release and eventually gained a lot of popularity over time. Um, and it's a movie I'm very familiar with because it's my mother's favorite movie ever made. Hmm. Ever. Interesting. So, Whoa. Um, huh. So that's how I know about it. I watched it a few times as a kid because of that, and uh, not as a kid. I guess I was a teenager at that time. <laughs> I hope to God yeah. you were a teenager when you watched <laughs> this movie. I was eight and watched this movie. <laughs> um, and it's basically a movie about a May-December romance between a boy obsessed with death and an, uh, an older woman uh, who's obsessed with life and how they come together and kind of meet in the middle and how they one affects one another. Is that an okay description it's, it's, of it? It's, yeah. it's a friendship. It's a story of friendship, a story a little bit of a romance, and... Uh, and uh, it's also a very a coming of age story. It's, it's also a very dark comedy as well. Yeah, absolutely, uh, tons of comedic elements. Uh, and it's directed by Hal Ashby, who's known for being a very big director in the '70s, I believe. He directed Shampoo. Yes. This is the only other movie I know that he directed. But um, okay, well, like, well, I can get into that. Okay, what, what do you don't, got, Dave? Don't worry, Dave. Well, you want okay? So uh, the best, the movie I like that he made the most. Uh, the movie, the movie that he made that I like the most is a movie called Being There with Peter Sellers. Oh, of course, I love which that. Which is movie. the title of a Wilco album, also. Yes, that is a very good movie. Very good movie. He also made a movie called uh, The Last Detail with Jack Nicholson the year after I think um, this movie, came, uh, Harold Mott, came out, uh, which was an excellent uh, movie with Randy Quaid's uh, debut performance. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar, believe it or not. And uh, then he made uh, Coming Home, which won uh, Jane Fonda and John Voight an Oscar. So he was really big in the 70s, but he's not as well-remembered, I think, for whatever reason. Hal Ashby. There you go. Yeah, he kind of fizzled out. I just fixed my mic, died. so he I sound very young. so much better now, guys. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I've been I was talking voice. to the back of the microphone. <laughs> I think it's the headphones. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. I turned the mic around. Um, I'm you an idiot. Start again? No. no, no. We're not starting again. We can't this go back. Do it this live. Is we do it. <laughs> it's do a, it live. There's no production value. We're in a basement, for Christ's sake. <laughs> hey, We're a couple of guys sitting next bench. to a tool bench. Yeah, it's a quality talking tool about bench. Movies. A, tool, a bunch of tools sitting next to a tool bench. Uh, so right, I've, I've right, explained my familiarity with this movie. As I said, it's one of my mom's favorite films. Mm-hmm. Um Mike, I'm guessing, based on your track record, you have never seen Harold and Maude. Uh, is that true? Yeah. Up until this point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, so what did you think? <laughs> um, did you know anything about it going in, A, and what did you think as you were watching it? I know no- nothing about it going in. That's how I prefer it. I like going into a movie without any kind of predispositions, pre-assumptions, uh, presumptions, I guess the word it's would like be. the opposite of me. I always want to know as much as I can. No, I like going into a movie like, all right, here we go. Just jump into this hot. Let's see what happens. There is cold, something rather. very special about going into a movie cold because yeah. if it surprises you, there's no, well, also there's no expectations. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot right. less... I've done it before, but... Oh. Yeah, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's which for this movie was perfect because I <laughs> like I've stopped, no idea what was coming. Like I stopped watching trailers for movies I know I'm gonna lo- like want to see. Like Chris Nolan's next movie, I don't want to see a trailer for that yeah. movie. I'm just gonna go. So. I usually yeah, I try to avoid it. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, 
It was weird. <laughs> it was, it was which I think it was trying to be. I think it was trying to that's be weird. The, that's the quote below the, <laughs> the review. It was weird. Uh, On the box, weird. Mike Morandi. It was weird. It is a, it's a strange film. I'm not going to yeah, deny I, that. I think it was supposed to be. I think it, they were trying to make it weird. Oh, I don't definitely. Think it wasn't like they were trying to make this amazing, beautiful, wonderful little movie. I mean, I'm sure they were to a degree, but... Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I was confused at first because I, I was like, "Why is this kid not dying when he's hung himself and <laughs> shot himself in the head and chopped off his arm and all this kind of stuff?" Which I was like, I, "Is he faking it somehow?" And I'm just an idiot. I don't understand this. Like, um, I, I, I liked elements of it. I liked, I liked the how he's so well symbolized, like obsession with death, and how the the old woman symbolized uh, obsession with life. And I thought it was interesting that they were flipped, that the young man would be obsessed with death and the old woman would be obsessed with life. Right. Um, and I, I really, I, I liked their characters. I liked everything about it. I thought the, and I loved the friendship. I thought the friendship was great. And the romance, I was just like, wow, <laughs> yeah. what? Where did this come from? Yeah, what is going on? Unexpected. Um, I mean, I, and it was weird because I think like, and this is maybe just being a little uh, prejudiced with movies nowadays, but I feel like anytime I watch a movie in the 70s or like the older... Like I'm not sure if it's doing this on purpose or it's just a bad movie, you know. And I think, right in retrospect, I'm looking at it. I think it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a, a little weird or off kilter and, mm-hmm. and uh, a dark comedy for sure, black comedy. But um, yeah, it was okay. We'll, we'll get into it in a bit, I guess. That's yeah. was my initial opinion of it. So, Dave, what was your familiarity with this film? Uh, well, I was when I, as soon as I started having an interest in movies in my teenage years, I, I had probably had heard of this movie, but I just never sounded like something I really wanted to see for whatever reason. And so I didn't watch it until probably just maybe five or six years ago, I would say, for the first time. And then I, I remember kind of only casually watching it and thinking, okay, all right, I get it. I understand why this is a cult movie. Um, but, uh, and, you know, I, and I read that it was a lot of people's favorite movies. Yeah, like and, my uh, mom's like, like your mom's. I mean, I, it's, it's, oh, it's one of those movies. There's a lot of movies out there that you can't, that prob- you probably won't see on Sight and Sound's top ten list, but are, are people's favorite movies. Like, um, Maybe even Field of Dreams could be an example, or uh, uh, which we covered last week. Or, or like Office to Space. You know, there's, there's certain like movies that weren't popular when they came out, and then uh, you know were you know become people's favorite movies because people discover them and they feel like they uh, kind of own not own them, but it's like it belongs to it's them. A personal you know? movie, yeah. It's a personal movie. They feel like they they can connect. They with discovered movie. it, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. So. I think Harold and Ma was that kind of movie. So I watched it that time. I thought it was good. And I watched it this time, and I thought it, I had a little bit of a better impression of it. Um, it I, I'm not in love with the movie the way that a lot of people are, but I can see why it, it's a cult classic. I can still see, it, it, it holds up for me as a, as a very good uh, romantic comedy. And, 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 you know, and, and it still feels a little subversive, which is interesting because, uh, you know, so many, there have been, it, it, it's almost like it set a precedent for so many other. Uh, quirky indie uh, movies, you know, to come, and there there really weren't that many movies like that. There was one that came to mind um, that that I, I think we should definitely. I don't know if you guys know The Graduate, the Dustin Hoffman Absolutely, movie. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. are you familiar with The Graduate? Familiar, never seen it, of course. Okay. Surprise! That's, but I, I'm familiar with the idea of and the concept. So, yeah, well, yeah. that's a good one. See that? I, th- I feel like. The Graduate is the movie that I latched onto as a high school and college student. I, I saw that, and that was even, you know, it wasn't my generation, but of the mismatched age romance. That was yours versus yeah. this one. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's not just it's that. Genre but film. it's not just that. It's just like an alienated youth, you know, when you're that age and, and you're not sure, like, you, you don't quite understand where you are and where you want to go. I mean, that's kind of what this movie is about. It's about this kid who. Uh, He's not really a kid, I guess. He's probably supposed to be 18, 19. I would like assume that. he's about 18, 19, yeah. yeah, the movie. yeah. yeah well, he's so, driving, so it's got to be at least right. that. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, the movie like The Graduate was the one that, that got me. And it was also, you know, that movie was at it in its time very critically acclaimed and very popular. That'd be a good one, actually, for and, a podcast. Uh, and, but Harold and Maude was, was, you know, not as popular. And you can see why, because it has a lot of very strange elements to it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, uh, all the, the suicide... Uh, Harold, played by Bud Courtney, he's he's constantly committing suicide, even up towards the end of the movie. He's he never kind of lets up. He's kind of, you know, he doesn't grow out of this uh, this kind of quirkiness. You know, he kind of in, in a lot of ways stays the same. So, anyway, I, I thought it was uh, good. I don't know if I'd define it as a classic, but uh, I can see why some people hold it hold it uh, so dear. You know, I'm gonna try to. Um elucidate why I think this movie is a masterpiece but um, <laughs> cheers we'll see how I'm doing here maybe the whiskey will help but um, I was on his fifth glass by now yeah by the way. totally wasted um, you could convince me this film okay this film essentially the message of this film is carpe diem right like seize the day mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably the most cliche message that you could have but I feel like it gets to that message in the most uncliche way possible. Agreed. Um, which I think is why I like this movie so much. Like a movie like Dead Poet Society, um, which a lot of people love, but that mm. movie is so mm. upfront about its message and so mm. in your face. And I feel like this does it in such a simpler, quieter way mm. and does it in a way that doesn't pull punches. For instance, I think it would have been very easy just to make them friends, but by making them essentially lovers by the end of the movie, I think it's a really bold choice. And I think it's almost necessary for Harold to have that because he has to love somebody. He has to uh, love them, okay, someone so, romantically, in order to actually see what life's really about. I'll say two things about that. I say, um, a, I don't, I don't think. It, uh, I think I forgot the first one. <laughs> the <other> <laughs> number two. <laughs> Moving on to number wow. two. <laughs> that was over a span okay, of so five he, seconds. So he said he has to love somebody, and you responded. No, I, you okay, my, that's actually my gripe with. I think I think the cliche thing is that romantic love is the only way your eyes can be open to the okay. world, and I, and I disagree. I think I've had many friendships that are like you know. I don't um, think that's what he was saying. I think that's what he was. His character—that's what no, his no, character no. needed to get. No, to but I, again, I disagree. Point A to B. I think he, his character just needed love. It didn't necessarily have to be romantic. Well, if sexual you look, love, at, it if you look at true. if you look at his relationship with his mother, which is obviously hilarious and totally twisted, uh, twisted and backwards and awful, he's never had that connection with somebody. So right, he right. needs so, it. right as a mother, but not as not as a romantic. You know, but wouldn't he find that loving connection in a woman who's essentially old enough to, to be, be honest, his mother or grandmother? grandmother. It, yeah, it, 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 there's definitely I, an Oedipal complex there, but I think that's very interesting about the film. And and the fact that it goes there, I think a lesser film wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It would pull away. And I, I really like this movie that doesn't. Yeah. But beyond that, um, yeah, but I, I, okay. Well, let me, let me continue why I like this ahead. movie. Go and ahead. then you can gum tear me down later. Okay. <laughs> um, other things I love about this movie, I think it's really funny. Like there are, there's certain scenes that I think are some of the funniest scenes in all movies, mainly dealing with his fake suicides. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite fake suicide is when he sets himself on fire, because because he he the way he waves to the uh, the date like oh yeah. hey oh that's Harold he'll be in in a second all of a sudden he just bursts into flame <laughs> and then he shows up and then he off shows up. Yeah. love that. Um, yeah. I love the scene when the mother is trying to sign Harold up for a dating service and she's basically answering the question for, for him. him. Yeah. And the way the way she's got this affected accent and she's uh, is phenomenal. And I also think the uncle character, the um the military, military guy. Great. When he first salutes the painting. When he with salutes the, the yeah. painting, hilarious. And yeah. then there's other things about the movie that I think um 
I think this is a very interesting movie to review because when you watch it from uh, a modern cinematic context, there, you look at so many other movies that I feel like are taking after this one. I think, Definitely. I think there's very Wes Anderson-y things about Absolute, this movie. Absolutely. There's very, Rushmore, for sure. Uh, um, just the way that, uh, even the way that shots are staged with central framing and mm-hmm. things are centered in the middle. And they do that sequence where they're talking about how disgusting it is that Harold You're thinking is of the scene mother, where the, the mother gets in the pool and, and I'm thinking of that. Back. I'm thinking of that scene. I'm thinking of the, the scene. The priest where the slow push. Yeah. And the, it's the, just like the thought they, of yeah. the priest, and then the general, and then the psychiatrist. And each one's got the uh, picture of their various person, like Freud's next to mm-hmm. the psychiatrist, and yeah. the Pope is next to the priest. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm assuming and, if you ask Wes Anderson what one of his favorite movies, I'm sure that must come yeah. up. And know. just mm-hmm. even the way you know the, the clothes that they wear and everything is very. Uh, even Harold's outfits are so mm-hmm. like perfect, like so 70s, and right. so but so. Um, he does remind me of Max Fisher a little bit, yeah. Rushmore for sure, and. Um, and then the other thing about the film before I'm trying to say oh before I forget is um are you guys familiar with the term the manic pixie dream girl of course Ruth Gor- uh, uh, Maud played by Ruth are, are Gordon you, are you have you heard have you heard that you know that phrase you should probably explain oh sorry please do for, for the, the manic, audience the and manic the... pixie dream girl I don't know who coined the phrase but it's an I think archetype it was Nathan Nathan Rabin from Nathan the, Rabin from the AV Club from uh, the AV Club right. uh, dot com at least coined, at the time he was at the AV Club. coined this term that has since become somewhat common about the manic pixie dream girl which is essentially the female figure who takes the wounded male character under her wing and through sheer force of she's basically the perfect woman she's quirky she's I think Natalie nuts. Portman in Garden State was like the temp like what he, he might have been talking about Natalie he, Portman is the archetypal in Garden State in Garden State yeah, yeah excuse me is where the, it's like oh hear this music it'll change your life oh. I'm yeah, so quirky yeah, yeah, and yeah. weird and I'm gonna make you a better person and you know my change isn't that important but I'm gonna help you out because you're the wounded dove male and if you think about it Ruth Gordon is the first like I feel like she right. everything yeah, be, is done yeah. that she's quirky and she's wild and I can't she's think crazy. Of a famous movie that before this, though. yeah. So yeah. I feel like if, looking at it back from now, it's like, oh my god, everyone just stole it from this movie. So I Mrs. Think Robinson definitely was not no, the not man at of all. Pixie Dream Girl. So graduate. I find that just real interesting. And then the other the final thing is length. This movie's a, a, a brisk ninety minutes, yep. and yeah. it's real nice sometimes. You know, like sometimes oh, sure. I don't want to watch a three hour movie. You know, no. sometimes a good night it, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Oh, and actually, comedies almost uh, comedies today feel bloated. I yeah, mean, that's, and this movie is very streamlined in my yeah. opinion. And then finally, I said finally, but finally again, um, the soundtrack. I'm a big Cat Stevens fan. Oh yeah, and um, the he it. wrote two original songs. One of my my favorite song of all time is. Um, uh, if you want to sing out, which I have. That's your favorite song of all time? One of them, I okay. guess. Yeah. All no, time, no, no, hey, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's it's just, I think uh, it's a great song. I think it's just got a, you know, a great message and it's a wonderful folk song and mm-hmm. uh, I've had, you know, it's on my iPod, like mm-hmm. top most played on my iPod and so forth. So, mm-hmm. those are the reasons why I like See, this movie so much. Now, I can understand why it can distance people because it is weird. It is a very well, weird, film. weird. It's weird. Let's define what weird is. Oh, let's define what a cult classic is because okay. it's often referred to as one of the most famous cult movies. So, what mm-hmm. makes a cult movie just a, a distinct group of people like the movie? I or? always think of it as not necessarily something that does well in the box office, but after the fact, it's a. I mean, yes. not necessarily, but I imagine you get a, a large group and a groundswell after the fact. People who are rapidly passionate about the movie, but that's, a, that's about as yeah. accurate as you can get. I think so. It's basically <laughs> nice. it's, it's basically an initial 
initial failure and then eventual popularity. Right, yeah. cult. You wouldn't call it like Jurassic Park or something. Like a, cult a, cult a cult classic right. or something. Ghostbusters. You know? yeah, Ghostbusters right. isn't a cult classic. It, it has but to be something. The Rocky Horror Picture A cult by definition is... exactly what's in my head when I was saying that. Yeah. You know, the word cult usually refers to a small subset of people that all passionately believe in the same yeah. thing, right? So Firefly, cult, I think, would have been... Right. The, classified the, as the, that, the yeah. TV show, Firefly, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a, lot of, a lot of movies that uh, are, you know, other people don't understand, like Sam Raimi's early Evil Dead movies or, um, you know, I'm trying to think of some recent ones. Like, oh, I, I came back to Office Space. I think that's that's one that was not popular but has become mm. so well beloved over, yeah. over over time. It's become almost more of a mainstream hit than a... What is that noise? noise? I, don't, I, I don't know. Oh, it's off. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Dungeon, Carry on. The dungeon's okay. Um, if I could it's a try, new soul claim. To if I'm going to try to um, interpret why you don't like this movie, Mike. Good. Put words in my mouth. I like that. I'm going to do that right now. Um... <laughs> I think it's because it's structurally, I think there might be issues. I don't think there's like a first act, a second act, and a third act. It kind of yeah. just exists. Like, um, there's not a ton of conflict in the movie, you could argue. Um, That's not true. Well, Harold is obviously a troubled guy, and he's changed by the end of the film. But there's no real, um, like, what, what's the, there's no antagonist in this movie. Is it the mother? I, I maybe. think it's society, I think, is the antagonist. I think Tom Skerritt, maybe? <laughs> As the cop, did you recognize Tom? Oh, Scarrett? by the way, I, I love the cop scene where she's <laughs> that was Tom Skerritt. Do you know he, no, he no. was in Alien? He was the uh, oh, he, really? he was the got the mustache. And, yeah, he was in Top Gun. He was a famous mustache actor for for a long time. <laughs> he's the uh, he's a poor man's Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I thought. By the way, as a side note, the the whole scene where he pulls her over and he's like, and she's getting out of the car and he's doing wheelies. He's like on his bike trying to like. Mm-hmm. I thought that whole scene was great. I thought he, yeah, he was funny. But I think as far as antagonists, I, w- I would imagine if you had to say, um, by the way, I feel like this definitely really feels like a product of the 60s for sure. Or 70s, late 60s, yeah. 70s. Well, late, I mean, I'm sure the 60s about, affected it, 71, right? Because there's obviously yeah. commentary about Vietnam in there. Yeah, but there's just the idea, like, she's obviously in Right, well, the, with like, the, uh, the uncle, definitely, being so, uh, you know. Pro-war. Pro-war, yeah, right. Yeah. Right, and the whole thing is just like the, the concept to me is very much like it's a heavy movie. I think it's just kind of you know you can wear your suit and tie and go and see your you know your old money mm-hmm. uh, inheritance with your mother and your uncle and the cop, or you could be crazy with Har- with a uh, Maud and go nuts. And, and I think that's kind of like for me what what the, the message was is that he was looking for you know life, and he it, his setting did not offer it to him. Um, I don't know. I, it's not that I, I I didn't like it. Maybe just because it was. I confuse. Okay, the biggest grip I had, first of all, of course, I, I tend to lot over logic movies. I think we all know that. But what was the deal with him not being able to die? Like, is that was that he was just, just faking, faking? He was just oh, faking everything. Was he faking it, or was it something yes. like like? Yeah, like it no, was a, I think that was pretty clear. It's a fake hand. It's a fake knife. Yeah. The way he hangs himself is a way that you're not actually going to hurt your neck. It's He's a, doing it on his different kind of. Weight. Okay, I mean that's what I thought originally. And then the more of the movie's going on, I'm like, did. Like what's you know? He's is crying it, is it, to cry for attention, you know. It's, but like the fake gun, if you look at his head when he shoots a fake gun, something red appears on his head. So it's something that that that's actually the scene where I thought like maybe he's actually shooting himself, and it's just yeah, that, that, it's just I, kind I, of like something that the movie kind of suspends disbelief. It's just kind of like yeah, he just has this ability where he just doesn't die. You know? <laughs> no, no, he's definitely faking his death. It's not really. <laughs> but then yeah. what about the, okay? Well, then what about the woman that he brings over and he he, he does the, the ritual suicide? It's thing. a fake knife. Well, then how come she? Died. She doesn't she, die. She doesn't die. She's an actress. She's an actress, and she's into what he's doing. But she thinks no. That, I didn't. I got the. I thought it was that either. No, she, she definitely didn't. She's die. totally <laughs> acting. And she. Did we watch the actually, same movie. <laughs> she likes. She. It's that scene's hilarious because she's the first girlfriend that actually likes what Harold's doing. Right, she thinks right, he's right. like well, no, play I got, acting. I got that, but I thought that, and that's why I thought the scene was like somewhat funny. Is that he was 
really killing but he because he doesn't die he's fine well, see if it was me, she doesn't if, she actually kills herself if, if it was like, me oh today God. she would be killing herself for real and right. uh i'm sure there'd be a lot of other differences like right. you know mod at the end we can spoil this because people we have to assume people have seen this mod at the end kills herself right so i think that right, in, right. in uh the modern day version of this i feel like they probably wouldn't let her do that depending on who who made this movie who finds oh, it i don't i don't, I don't like... think this is going to be a rush to be remade <laughs> no 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 well no, i mean it, it, in, in a lot of ways it has been remade a lot of times i mean not the exact they didn't remake, they didn't call it Harold and Maude, but I mean, there's been a lot of movies that have taken that alienated youth character and, and, and you know, he find he or she finds somebody that uh, brings out the, you know, the joy, that's what I liked joy about, de what vivre, I, of, you know, whatever. What? Sorry. I'm trying. No, no, no. They've Dave. meant to it. Say <laughs> the word. Wait, say the word. Joy, the joy of life. No, 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 no. Dave, say it again. The joy. <laughs> This is bad. Is it, we said mise en scene. <laughs> mise en scène is the correct way to pronounce it. Yes, uh-huh. I don't know. Joy of life. Just, come on, guys, just give me a break. <laughs> okay, it's the scotch. Um, yes, it's the scotch. Yes. <laughs> exactly what it must be. What were you going to yeah. say, Mike? So, no. So the the um, and actually what, what I what I did like I like the structure in the sense of like the fact like I said before the fact that he is young and should be youthful but he's very deathly and she is very old but is very young. And the fact that he fakes his death and then wants to live at the end, and she like is very lively and ends up killing herself. Right. I thought that was a, a good counterbalance. I like that. I think yeah. that that's good symmetry. So it sounds like there's like, you liked so many things about this movie, but it honestly, didn't connect I think with you. It just somehow. didn't come together. I think it could have been. I tend to. I don't know. Certain. It may be a movie that you yeah, might I, revisit in ten years and like start. Like it's a movie that you think about. I think about it a lot. Like, this is this is my big. I think my biggest gripe is a romantic relationship because I could not buy that. I couldn't buy it. I'm sorry, and I understand you're going to be able to say like, oh, he was you know starving for affection. Yes, but I don't think any young man in his right mind is going to become sexually attracted to an eighty year old. woman. I don't know. Ruth Gordon's a pretty attractive eighty year old woman. Oh, Just throwing okay. it out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's something a, a little bit unnatural about someone who's that young and someone who's that old. But I think that's what makes this movie. I mean, it's trying to be subversive. Me, it's, it's trying right. to be subversive. So, okay, right, and right, a lot of movies of that time were trying to be. You know, were this is the 19. This is the age of the subversive cinema. Right, I mean, right. A lot right, of right. movies were trying to take uh, concepts that were that that weren't accepted as normal and, and yeah, turn them exactly. Right, um, but still, for me, like, and and that's maybe that's something that makes it not timeless. Then for me, is that like at the time that it was feels like, the best like thing it's of this time very. I mean, it, yeah, but for me, like, it doesn't. I, I couldn't. I feel like at that point, I just, I disengaged. I couldn't keep take it seriously. I'm like, eh, it's never. And then it became weird. And it became distracting. It was mm-hmm. a distraction for me. Um, especially, I thought it was going over so well. And in the beginning, she like is even like winking at him, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy. And then the more mm-hmm. he gets to know her, I'm like, oh, it's a cool friendship. It's a quirky friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many things I did like about like there's a, there's a shot in particular, like two shots in particular, where they're sitting in a field full of daisies, and then. Mm-hmm. The next shot is he's sitting in a field full of tombstones. It's like back to back. I'm just sitting in the exact same spot. Like, it's that oh, con- it's yeah, it's right. con- constant contrast of life and death symbolically. Yeah, I love this. I love the scene of them having a picnic in the junkyard. I mean, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, like, right. That like you can understand. Yeah. Like I, I, I can empathize with somebody who who likes uh, who who's like young in high school, and they say like, well, why doesn't everyone else like doing these kind of, you know, like I, I'd rather be at home like. I'd rather be at home reading books or I'd rather be hanging out like in cemeteries or going to funerals, you know, or doing things that most people don't necessarily like to do. Because I, I know as a kid, I didn't necessarily, I mean, I, I was more into hanging out at home and watching movies over and over and over again or or just like edit, I had a camera and I would just edit my own movies yeah, and people, and stuff I like think, that. get into weird things. Like I have my own weird things. Someone who did, maybe like, reads comic books and just like yeah. would rather stay home and read comic, you know, those, there, there are certain things that I can recognize in this movie in, my, in myself and I think a lot of people probably could. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, over time, you know, a, a character who does 
the kind of thing that most people wouldn't do. And you know, like having picnics in a trash, having picnics in a trash yard, or a question. Or, or or faking suicide over and over again. Sure. Yeah. So okay, when they were uh, with his uncle, and by the way, I thought that was a pretty funny scene where his uncle's talking about how great, like the glories of war. He's trying to yeah. get out of being drafted. Right. Right. That's, that's one of the very most satirical scenes in the movie. Yeah, so yeah. And by really the way, that are you guys familiar with? Uh, that's wow, almost Kubrickian in the way. Yeah, it, it did is. feel. Yeah, I thought of that actually. The what's character the of the military guy reminded me of very Kubrick. He reminded me of a character out of the Clockwork Orange. Which yeah, you're talking yeah, about. The, the, oh, the, the guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're almost prototypical. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. And he also reminded me of the in the Graduate, the guy who who has that famous line. As plastics, yeah, been plastics, you know. But actually, that, that whole that whole concept is actually very similar. Arlo Guthrie, um, Alice's Restaurant. You ever heard? It? They play it like once a year for uh, some radio station. Plays it for uh, it's the idea of it's like a ten minute long song about yeah, it yeah, yeah. It's protesting the war by like feigning insanity. And, okay, okay. Um, anyway, um, so that scene, what what's going on? <laughs> she fell through a hole in the ground, and then yeah, <laughs> and you're like, okay, and then the I next scene, back that, to normal. I like, couldn't I'm tell like, if that was planned or not. Like, right, I mean, was that planned or not? <laughs> I think it was planned. Did she drown? Like, she just swam ashore. Eighty year old woman. In the She's very freezing. spry. Yeah. But that's, she, that's the she kind of thing. Stole like, a motorcycle from a cop. Like, <laughs> yeah. a motorcycle from a cop. Pretty badass for an eight-year-old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why you're so attracted to her, Evan. <laughs> yeah. Now, Ruth Gordon. I mean, she was very. I mean, she. So what she is had, Ruth she was Gordon an Oscar, known for she, other than this movie? She was most famous for the movie Rosemary's Baby. She won an Oscar for. Uh, oh, uh, I know exactly that. That movie's. Have you seen Rosemary's? Have you seen Baby? Rosemary's Baby? Mm-mm, that movie's no. scary. We yeah. need to watch that for Halloween. That may be a Halloween movie. I suggested The Fly, but Rosemary's Baby. Maybe we could do both. The whole month of October. And the whole month of October should be fun. One day, one movie. A movie one day. Oh, 30 movies. <laughs> Hold on to you butts. Um, yeah, okay, now, now that you mentioned I know exactly. She plays the neighbor in Rosemary's yes, Baby. Yes, yes. Okay. She won an Oscar for playing the quirky neighbor, and we don't want to spoil exactly what her situation is for people who haven't seen it. If they want to listen to the podcast that we do of Rosemary's or Baby. Or those of us who are part That's of the podcast. That's what we call Or we don't want to let her know. Anyway, so there's a, little, there's a twist with her character, and she's very good in the movie, and um, she's... You know, she has a very distinct kind of personality that's it's not that much different. It's a very lively character in Rosemary's Baby and uh, also a very lively character in this movie. So, you know, she was an actress that had a lot of energy and she was, you could see the appeal. And, you know, she had a lot, she has a lot of appeal. I, I mean, I really liked her in this movie. I liked her, I think, more than I liked uh, the uh, Bud Court. Who played oh, I him. love oh, Bud I, Court. I, I think, I think, he was I good. think Bud there's certain delivery of lines he has that I think are just fantastic. Like when the psychiatrist asks him how many times he's uh, fake suicide, he's like, an accurate number would be difficult to gauge. Yes. <laughs> so like yes. Just the but phrasing of that is yeah. just brilliant to me. And the way he, yeah. uh, and I, he does things that I think would be hard to tell a young actor mm-hmm. to do. Um, because Bud Court didn't really go on to do very much yeah, after this film. Um, but He's the kind of actor where I wonder, is he like that in real life? That's kind of like Just the way that he, you know? he would stare at the camera. Like, yeah. He, that deadpan look he has, I think, is very interesting. He had, he had a very kind of a little bit of a Johnny Depp in his younger years personality, and, and he his his character reminded me of someone like I can I can picture Tim Burton watching this movie and thinking, oh, I must make him yeah, into one yeah, of my characters. Because yeah, he looks I mean, like a Tim Burton character. He had this, yeah. the you know the, pale, the sunken pale, eyes, the pale face. By the yeah. way, at some point I forget at which point in the movie I should have taken a note. He goes from his face is white in the beginning, and it's, mm-hmm. it's white throughout. I'd say at least half of it, and then at mm-hmm. one point he actually starts looking a little bit more ruddy, where he actually has color in his cheeks. Mm-hmm. I don't know what point that happens. Probably he spends more time outside. I think he spends a lot of time inside in the beginning. Well, right, yeah, but I'm saying suicide. It, but it also kind of works as like his character too. He goes from like being very death, you know, deathly looking mm-hmm. sickly, and then gaining life and becoming yeah, more alive he's, he's, and starts wearing colors instead of his black and white playing suit. banjos yeah. <laughs> right playing yeah. banjos which yeah. uh, is Every probably time. the most lively <laughs> instrument in the world 
Every time I watch this movie, I always like, you know what? I should learn how to play the banjo. I never think and that then, ever. And then ever. I realized that'd I, be a lot I of work. I love banjo music. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, I love yeah. My, I like Mumford and Son's banjo. Other than that, I just can't get behind it. I've had people try to convert Dueling it, banjos, Deliverance, another 70s movie. My father-in-law yeah. plays the banjo. And every time he plays, I'm like, it'd be really cool to play the oh, banjo. I would love to have father-in-law play the banjo. You hear me, father-in-law? Can you play the banjo? <laughs> have him a special My guest next ten. week. I have a winner. Um... I, I had a question about this movie. Mike, were you going to say something else, but I try to remember what I was going to say or no? No. When? What? When? You, you, I feel like I cut you off. Did I not cut that you happens off? all the time. Yeah, I, well, that's what I do on this podcast. <laughs> At this point, off. we probably forgot about 10 things I was going to say. I don't oh, no, no. I have no idea. I think I'm oh. good. Okay. Well, never mind there. Um, I was wonder about this movie. If you release this movie today, um, like if you show it to like your modern day audience, does this connect with people at all or no? Does it do well in the box office? Does it connect with people? Oh, doing well, it's not gonna do well at the box office. Correct. Nothing makes money at Agreed. the box office unless it's going for the widest swath of people possible. But oh, yeah. um, does this movie get critically acclaimed or panned if it comes out today? I mean, probably. I I'd imagine it would. Um, I mean, I think I think it would probably uh, find more acclaim, but I don't think that uh, it would find. A, I don't think it would be widespread audience. support, but I think you get critics that like uh, it. But it, you know, guess. it's with comedies, it's tricky figuring out like what's going to be a popular comedy and what's going to work. I mean, it's a very comedy's always uh, very hard to pull off. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably the hardest of all genres to to become like a mainstream hit. Like the last big comedy mainstream hit that I can think of was the first hangover and, and that was like you know the no most one, mainstream thing in the you know world what I mean <laughs> but it, I mean it, it wasn't at the time I mean it is now but I mean even just a few years ago the hangover wasn't uh, I mean those guys weren't huge stars and, and oh you're saying that the movie the movie was successful despite the fact not having a huge yeah. name star oh no I don't think so and it wasn't Zach Galifianakis I don't, I don't say I wouldn't say they were no, like that movie, names, they were they were I mean Bradley Cooper was in the wedding crash right. I mean Ruth Gordon was known at the time she was an Oscar winning actress and, and Hal Ashby was uh I guess this was maybe, was this his first movie or not Ed his Helms, first? I think Zach shampoo was his first film. Shampoo was his, I, th- I thought shampoo was in the mid seventies. All right, let's find out. Okay, so I, I know that uh, the, I know that Hal Ashby. We didn't talk too much about him. He, he doesn't have a very distinct visual style. This movie, I mean, except for you're saying he has. I think he does in this film. In though. this film, I feel like I it didn't. It didn't. When you said that, it, I didn't notice it as much. I was thinking, I was trying to think of certain shots, and there were certain moments. Oh, you're right. It's his uh, second film, actually. But second film. Okay. Yeah, shampoo comes later, seventy five. Um. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the other movies I'm thinking of, Being There and Coming Home that Hal Ashby directed, and in The Last Detail, they're all very, just kind of shot in a very naturalistic way. You know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stylistic things about this movie, though, I'd argue. There, there, there are, He yeah. makes choices that I feel like are unconventional, and they're definitely artistic choices. Right, there's, uh, there's one moment that I wanted to ask you guys about, and I couldn't quite figure out what they were going I mean there's a moment it's after the self-immolation scene where he lights himself on fire and then he, he looks at the camera after after that after yeah the he does run. a very fourth wall breaking moment and yeah. I think that's almost like I don't know it's him connecting with the audience um, saying like wasn't that hilarious like yeah. you guys are in on the joke you guys are with me now right, right. like and I, I don't know that's the way it, I it felt a little out of place for me but very out of place for me but you know it didn't, it didn't really bother me it just uh, I just was trying to figure out what his look they. is great there I love it yeah, it was uh, a good look <laughs> now I want to talk about the I, I don't know if this is the elephant in the room but it's a thing that I admire the movie for for its subtle way of approaching it is um, Maud is a Holocaust survivor and oh yeah. yes and, um, yes yeah, that is it is, it is only shown visually and for it like is second and it is fast. never brought up again ever yes what does that do for the movie is that add to it take it away adds to it and I, I think that was one of my favorite that that was one of the points in the movie where I was like alright I like it this is cool because I think that explains so much for her character in such a subtle way yeah. of course someone because she does mention that. that she I think 
I can't remember exactly, but she mentions early on that she like grew up in Vienna or something mm-hmm. like that, or she had a first husband in Vienna. She said something about living in Europe. So I guess that explains where she comes from and so forth. But I'm yeah. oh, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, I just think, because I like the way they do that. They don't explain it. They don't. It's not on the nose. It's very, very subtle. You see it for, it's two seconds. It's a very quick shot, almost subliminal. I mean, you see it and for Harold a second. And Harold notices it. But he doesn't say it. He they doesn't don't say anything. It. They don't say it. And I think that that, exp- I'm like, of course, it would make so much sense that somebody who's faced such a horror would be so, you know, uh, fervent about living life and, and getting the most out of life and just seeing, kind of seeing through all the BS of life and just finding what, what makes her happy and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I like that. That that was great at mm-hmm. that point, you know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, it, it's a subtle thing. Like. I feel like this movie. This movie is very interesting because at times it's incredibly unsubtle. It's very in your face, like that. Yeah, there's a lot of speechifying. The, I think. Fourth yeah. wall moment. Mm-hmm. The the moment where they're critiquing war with the uncle. I think is very not subtle. Right, but then there's yeah. moments like the Holocaust reveal. There's moments. Uh, this, I, I like the scene where they're walking through the. Uh, they're coming into the military camp. And he's talking about how wonderful war is and how great. And you see people like all with all kinds of injuries, like tipping over yeah. in the background, right, like, right, like passing right. out. Again, yeah. like very unsubtle. And that stuff yeah. is like a little bit slapstick compared to right, like, right. some of the more yeah. subtle moments. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I think that the end of this movie is incredibly subtle. The end of this movie is Harold walking off with his banjo mm-hmm. after he has basically destroyed the hearse, which is very symbolic. Yes. He has, he's killed death, essentially. And he's not in it. You, you, I assumed. Well, least. it's another it's another fake suicide. Fake suicide. Yeah. Um, we, you yes. know the final fake suicide. Yeah, that's and what he I got basically the does a little jig with his banjo, and he's you get the feeling that Harold is going to be okay. And oh he, yeah. And yeah. the experience that he has had, he has transformed from who he. And even his outfit, like you were saying, mm-hmm. he's wearing these ridiculous seventies bell bottoms, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I'll, it's like checkered suit. And that's and, interesting. They ended that way because a lot of seventies movies had very kind of pessimistic endings. But it's know, a very optimistic. And so ending. In most of Hal Ashby's movies, uh, I don't want to give away. The ending of everything but I mean they were they were fairly optimistic and, and, and like being there had a very it actually went to kind of a supernatural place yeah being the there's got a very months. classic ending yeah. um, so so we should do that movie sometime that's a good one to talk about but um, being there Great but what movie. do you think about the Holocaust thing? Uh, you know, I didn't think that much about it. I mean, but, but, but honestly, <laughs> that thing. Unimpressed. No, I mean, it's just, I didn't, I honestly didn't think that much about it. But I mean, I, I would agree with you guys that I think that uh, it, it does explain a little bit of her, her character. And I appreciated that uh, I could understand why at that point in the movie he didn't want to dive into um, kind of an expl- like asking her about it. I mean, it. If you're in love with someone, you don't always want to dredge up the mo- like the most horrible experience in their life. You but doesn't know? she like bring it up? She, she points it out, doesn't she? No, I don't remember. Or, she, or does she out. just say it, and the camera just kind of camera like goes takes to a cut it in and, and kind of okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's, okay, yeah, I forget to how it. they. Yeah. It's almost like we want to hear a director's. It's, I know it's obviously she, he's he's long gone, but it's almost like I wish there was a way to have a director's commentary with this movie, so you could kind of understand what. Um, what uh, he was going for, although it wasn't written by Hal Ashby, it was written by. It was written by a guy out of film school, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and this was his first script, and it somehow got like fast tracked. Somebody Coggins. Co- Colin Higgins. Colin Higgins. Me. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, to me, it felt like you know at that point, The Graduate came out in I think '67. I think was when it came out. It felt like maybe the writer of this movie had seen that that movie and said, "I'm going to do my own version of that of." The Graduate, and this was his take. Where well, the guy gets the girl. Uh, yes, yes. Well, no, I'll give away The Graduate, but yeah, the, most people know that the, the, at the beginning of the movie, Dustin Hoffman, it does get, this is, whatever, it's beside the point. But it feels like someone had seen movies like this and wanted to kind of turn it on its head and say, well, what else can we do with this concept of a, of a you know, of a romance between a young man and okay. an older woman? Okay, um, regarding the romance thing, um, let's pretend the genders are reversed. 
Still uh, weird. It's still, still weird, weird but, but more accepted. But more accepted. More think accept- about it. No, think it, of, I don't think it's any think more accepted. I think it's more think conventional, of, but I don't think it's more accepted. Think about a movie like Lost in Translation. No one's right. weirded out that a, she. How old is Scarlett Johansson in the movie? Twenty. And no I think, she, I think she's supposed to be mid twenties, but she was at the time probably twenty. And Bill Murray's sixties. Yes. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, yeah, I think his character. But I think it was more like a. 25, 55 kind of thing. It wasn't. That, it was. That it was, is it was a smaller like, gap. Yeah, it's a smaller gap. It was like a father daughter. Just saying. Kind of thing. There's as a opposed double standard to a, there. Yeah. No. Yes, I agree. Look, okay, but no. Okay, you're gonna tell me no one. If you see that, no one's gonna have a, some kind of a comment. No one's gonna be like, well, no, I agree. There, it's know? definitely weird. I'm not gonna deny it's weird. No, no. I'm, it, right, right, right. And I kind of. I mean. And I would argue again. Like I, I think that's the that is the cliche. I think the, the romantic love is is. I mean, rightfully so, but like it's always portrayed as like the be-all, end-all of life. Unless you have that, you will never figure out the secrets of life. And I just think that's crap. I think there's, you know, you can learn, you get a lot out of life from your friendships, from like your relatives, from your family. And I don't think that that like, yes, is it important? Absolutely. And is, is it significant to people? Absolutely. But um, I just feel like that's the, the, you know, the panacea for or a, a bad life. It's like, oh, you'll fall in love, you'll meet someone, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be like a Hollywood ending, it's going to be perfect. And I just, I, I don't, I, I resonated, it resonated much more with me when he had a friendship with a woman mm-hmm. um, than it did when he had a romance with her, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the romance, I mean, thinking about it now, I think, I think the uh, romantic aspect of it and, and the actual, like, the sex, like, they actually have sex and they actually have a real relationship that you would have with a person of your own age. And I think the, it gave the, the death at the end more weight. Like, I found myself moved at, at the end when I mean honestly when he when when she ends up uh, trying to kill herself it's all of a sudden it's like he snaps out of it and like oh uh, life is important and I found something important in life and uh, I I read his reaction as as genuine and, and I thought the fact that it wasn't just a friendship I thought that that it, it gave oh I think more, he was much more no, I think and I I, be, I I bought it in the sense of I believe that that character but I'm saying like. I couldn't. It didn't resonate. I believe that he was in love with her, and I believe mm-hmm. that he, he did matter. And I like I like the shot of him rushing to the hospital and, and all that. I, I can believe that's... it was more of a one sided street here. I yeah, think, I think yeah. that he might have been you know in love, and she might have not yeah. been as much. You know, no, no, of course not. I think and she, she's for her, just, I think she's just going with the flow, man. Right, right. Which is I think her right. in it completely in her character to do that. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's it, I can <laughs> if you go to the IMDb forums for this movie, which I suggest you don't do for any. IMDb movie. <laughs> uh, the, half the posts are just people so grossed out by the romance in the film. The thoughts, yeah. but they don't really show. But they show them in bed after. Like, he, yeah, it's whatever. not. It's, it's not, not even... gratuitous. No, it's yeah. not. It's not. But... It's, it's everything. Everything's in your head because there's no. There's no. There's no sex scene in the movie. <laughs> he's just yeah. blowing bubbles with his shirt off in bed. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's chilling, man. That's, I don't think anything actually happened. I think he was just, I don't know, just took off his clothes. Choose to believe bubbles. what you yeah. want to believe. They just took a bath, that's all. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> it's a mirror, okay? It's, it's a, <laughs> what you see in the movie speaks worlds about you. Not yes. Can you think of similar movies to this that you would, like, if people like Harold and Maude, like, what's another movie that you think would be, you mentioned Rushmore. I'm trying to think of other films. Rushmore, that, The Graduate. Um, what other tonal movies? I'm trying to think, uh, because I feel like this movie has such a unique tone, though. And I can't. There's one I just can't think of it. Where well, I mean, like, there's movies that I mean the, the movie Garden State, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I think that there's a that, lot of movies in the sense of like a, a down on his not down on his luck, but kind of like mopey dude meets lively female. Wait, hold on, what was that? What is, what is the thing that keeps going on and on? The that. walls are alive. Oh, it's the battery now. Battery backup. Sorry. Yeah, we are in our uh, in the basement, and, and it, it rained a lot this week. 
I'm sorry. We are we're co- equipment. We are coming James. from you in our soundproof <laughs> studio, reporting live from Washington <laughs> D.C. in the professional environment. Apologize. We'll make <laughs> okay. sure that's unplugged next time. Um, uh, maybe American Beauty, a movie like American. Oh, Beauty. that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a real good pick, actually. Yeah. That's got that same dark comedic vibe. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also not, I'm what? A what bit about of American Beauty? I haven't seen it. What? Next week, American Beauty. <laughs> no, seriously, do you want to do American Beauty? Sure. How Another Sam Mendes movie. Oh yeah. Right. We were going to do Honey, you I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. Perdition. All right. We were planning Let's on doing Honey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've never seen American we, Beauty. We need a poll on the site so people can vote on what our next movie. That involves work. Yeah. How do I make a poll? <laughs> I don't know. Can I do that in WordPress? I don't know. Yeah, you don't just know. stop making your we, movie. We, you just, you just you, knock on doors. You just go out and you ask. You go out to the streets, people. man. You get a street team. Physically, you walk. You walk to their doors. <laughs> Ivan, will, Ivan will come to your door. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. I feel like there are a lot of movies that come out. I mean, I'm trying to think. Of that. There was this movie that came, that came out recently called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. That was oh, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was filmed in my hometown. I think it was made Elijah in Wood. Pittsburgh. There was this movie with Jesse Eisenberg no. called Adventureland. Have you seen Adventureland? Oh, that's the... With uh, Kristen Stewart and... Uh, Jesse I'm thinking of Zombieland. No, no, no. But Zombieland may be even a little no. bit. Same with uh, Eisenberg's in that too, isn't he? Yes, he yeah. is. He likes movies with land. land. I'm, just, I'm yeah. just thinking tonally. I think that uh, Adventureland maybe has a little bit of that quality to it. Yeah, in the sense that they're a coming-of-age story yeah. and a troubled yeah. main character and so uh, forth. The Way, Way Back. Have you seen The Way, Way Back? I have. Uh, with Sam Rockwell and... Um, but those movies are far more conventional than Harold and Fawn. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, most Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Harold and Kumar. No, also I mean, about the title. Title is pretty much the only thing I can think of. Right. If you type in Harold and, you usually you'll Kumar's, get Kumar or Maude. Or Maude. Yeah, Maude. Depends on your Google searches. Yes, <laughs> guys are morons. <laughs> what am I doing this podcast? Right? I actually haven't seen. I, that. I do want to talk about a grab. I was talking with Dave about this beforehand. Um, I mentioned it to you, Mike. I said this movie was available on Netflix Instant Streaming, which it was. And then I started it, and then I go to finish it, and the month of May switches over, and they it's gone. Netflix has this habit of not like they should tell you if a movie is going away. It happened with Miller's Crossing. It happened with Miller's Crossing. Same thing. You should like Mm. it should at least be like oh only available for seven Mm. more days. Like why are they not doing this? I thought it did that for a while. I remember it saying it on the right side. If you went to your list, I thought in the right column it would have maybe sitting in my queue waiting for this podcast, and when I try to watch it. Wasn't there? Locked down. Very disappointed. Yeah, and then PS. Uh, I guess maybe it's the PS3 that doesn't do this because I only watch it through like my video game oh, console good. instead yeah. of. I'm not going to watch it on a computer like a no nope. plebeian. I'm going to watch it like on a, a television. Philistine. Yeah, mm-hmm. what am I, an idiot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but that really bugs me. So yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Where do you go, Netflix? <laughs> Yeah, this is good. This is We're good. just let it uh, uh, anyone. We, from, should, we shouldn't let this divulge into total first world yes. pl- problems before the end of this. <laughs> a a plea to Netflix to uh, listen to this podcast and and they're already if, listening. If, I'm if pretty we're sure. talking Reed about a movie, <laughs> dear Reed Hastings, <laughs> if we say we're going to watch a movie, three guys you better our, make it available. Three guys to in a basement and our audience. Well, just at least we keep have it on for opinion. two weeks. <laughs> keep it on for two weeks so that we can watch it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I think we're getting lost in the weeds. Yeah. Anything else? Any final comments about this movie, Mike? Are you going to suggest? Okay. Would you suggest people watch this movie, like, or no? No. You're just done? You're done? You're out? Okay. It was cool. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. Uh, I, I would think yeah. it depends on who you're recommending it to, though. Right. Probably, right? Well, right. I'm, people I'm, I respect. No. I'm very big. <laughs> people I don't care about? Yeah, sure. Oh, but I'll think, rave about it. I know, but I know. That's a very interesting comment that you make about, like, how to recommend movies. Because oftentimes, I mean, I'm a big movie fan, so people will come to you like, oh, what's a good movie I should watch? Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to recommend, like, a movie... 
Like there's certain indie movies that I really enjoy, like last year, but I'm not going to mm. recommend it to people because I know right. they're just going to hate it. Right. So like, right? It's it's, it's <laughs> this is the kind of movie that I, I feel like someone who works in a video store and loves movies, who maybe has their own little cinephile. TV shop, a cinephile. I would or, recommend would, it. Like, Dave you, you know, you someone shows up and says, "I'm looking for a good movie for me and my wife to watch tonight. What should we watch? Have you seen Harold and Maude? It's one of my favorite movies. Reco- rom com. You should try. You should try it. Yeah, and, but you're uh, not going to recommend this to a family. No, and, <laughs> yeah, like it's interesting that it's your mother's favorite movie. I, I don't think my I. I Think maybe my mother would like this movie, but I, I, I don't. Well, she watched. I mean, my mom went to film school. They would love the music. I know at that. Columbian Col- Columbia College in mm-hmm. Chicago. In- she was a film school. Credit? Yeah, she was a film. Okay, well, that makes perfect that. sense. Wow. And uh, this movie came out. I believe she was. I think she was either in college or she had just graduated college when this. I mean, uh, or. I'm sorry, she was in college after this movie had come out, but this was movie was very yeah. popular when oh, she was growing up. Right, well, this is the perfect timing for her. So, uh, yeah, she uh, this was one of her movies coming out of film school. I think she yeah. watched it in film school, and it's mm-hmm. like the one that she takes away as really appealing to her, especially because um, so many of the movies that she had to watch were very... Um, I mean, when you watch a movie... Strictly for a technical reason, like if you watch a movie like Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. which is you know regarded as the greatest film of all time, mm-hmm. but it it's a movie that is mm-hmm. interesting. Every, you know, everyone always like, oh my favorite film. Any film student you ask, oh Citizen Kane. Well, like like I was saying favorite. before, that, that just because it's regarded as like the best or the most influential doesn't mean it's it's your favorite movie, right? So yeah, and that's and exactly a movie like Citizen Kane is appreciated for its um, technical mm-hmm. the, the technical things it's done. And it's historical place in cinema, mm-hmm. but I mean, I mean, you're lying if you say that Citizen Kane is a movie that you revisit, you know, every year because it's mm-hmm. one of your favorite. It's, it's, films. it's not comfort food, right? Yeah. I mean, Harold and Maude is closer to something like comfort food. I yeah, would say. like I'll watch Die Hard once a year because that movie is awesome. I'm not going back to Citizen Kane <laughs> right. or Lawrence of Arabia. I'm not saying it's comfort food for you, Mike. I'm saying it's comfort <laughs> no. food. To, I mean, it's comfort food for someone who Mike's comfort food is like the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah, Last Samurai, Last Samurai, Lord of the Rings. There you go. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, those are the movies that like you go yeah. back to because they give you something that beyond uh, an intellectual uh, appreciation. Or Entertainment right. versus just right. right. Just, yeah. It's I mean, entertainment versus art. Uh, you can make that argument. Right, yeah, but right, yeah. there's certain movies that just make you feel good. You know, and like I would, it doesn't make, and they don't have to be happy ending movies either. And right? for and Her- uh, Her- I was going to say Harold and Kumar. Harold yes. and Maude <laughs> is a movie that does that for me in the sense that you know it makes me feel good. And um, when I finish watching this movie, I'm I'm such a nervous person. I am such like a neurotic person. It's a movie that's like you know what? Maybe I should appreciate life a little bit more and not be so stressed out about things because. Yeah. You know what's gonna be okay. You know, you you walk with your banjo mm-hmm. into the fields, and you know life is good. And well, that, the key I, is to play your banjo in order to understand that life is good. See, so. I gotta take up the banjo now, so that's yeah. essentially what I have to do. So that's my, my basically my take on this movie. And I think it's an interesting film because I think it's a movie that most people haven't seen and probably should, especially if you're a big cinema nerd. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Harold and Maude, I think it's one that you really need to. I would agree with that. Yeah, you, I, I, even if you don't love it, I think it's one that is almost necessary viewing for your education. Mm-hmm. As someone who mm-hmm. is into movies, right? It's so. like a, it's like a like I said, it's a precursor to a lot of movies that came afterwards. So right. I would say you you know you want to, you want to know where Wes Anderson comes from. You want to know where I would say even Tim Burton movies come from. Uh, you watch The Graduate. You watch Harold and Maude. You watch uh, uh, I don't know. I can't think of anything else on the top of my head. But there's but you know it, it's the kind of movie where people you know filmmakers today. They grew up with with certain movies, and I feel like this is one of those ones that a lot of filmmakers probably grew up with. So that is uh, my final take on the movie. Anything else you want to say before we close out this episode of the podcast? I'm good. I think we're good. Um, Mike, what are we doing next episode? 
Are we doing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Uh, it looks like we're doing Honey, I Shrunk oh, the Kids. Dave has no heart, <laughs> no sense of wonder. You know, to be honest with you, I don't really remember Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that well. I saw it recently. I, I, I enjoyed it. So it's all my title, it's... guys. Can I tell you what? I'm, I, I'll talk about it next week. I have a story about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. That save it for next week. Yeah, yeah. save it for that. So we're going to watch the is it 80s classic? I think it's 80s. All the cineasts out there, are all the, all the film fans are like, they're listening to Harold and Ma, and they're like, what? Honey, I Shrunk the well, Kids. Well, the reason what? I... Uh, <laughs> or the people who want to listen about movies that never or never will watch uh, Harold and Maude. The reason I uh, like doing this podcast is I want to do a combination of old... I want to do a combination classics of like film festival classics yeah. and widespread pop culture. Thing. I don't want it to be a show sure. that only does pretentious picks. I don't want it to be a show yeah. that only does like you know pop culture food I want it to be a little bit yeah, of like both cult movies like The Fugitive I mean that was that's the yeah. perfect example though. Yeah, we did The exactly Fugitive and then we did Harold and Maude two episodes <laughs> right later. yes so, alternate, well, alternate you're yeah. right so you know we're giving it a little bit of that a little taste okay. of everything right. joie uh, de vivre what, what the hell was that alright so if uh, <laughs> joie de vivre I think that's the correct pronunciation uh, <laughs> right I, I don't know I, I, don't, I don't know probably oh, who knows God. closing out this episode if you enjoyed this podcast six years of French gone to waste uh, feel free to like us on Facebook at Facebook Facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. I'll hold it against you. <laughs> Review, I'm not going to stop you. Reviewed podcast. Uh, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com. Uh, leave us an iTunes review. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. We'll actually read them right here on the podcast. And if there's a movie that you want us to check out, you know, Please. let us know. Yeah, that too. We probably yeah. won't do it, but you know. I won't do it. It'll be good to laugh uh, at it. We'll put it on the list. Yeah. Um, Mike, Morandi, where can people find your work on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say Mike Mirandi because my website and Twitter is MikeMirandi.com nice and at Mike Mirandi. Don't go there expecting anything recent to have happened on either of those two. They're no. both relatively no. inactive, but there they are. Since, Dave. Since 2003. So, hi, Dave Glanz here. And you can find me at DaveGlanzProductions.com. I've had comments on this podcast that no one can tell Mike and Dave apart. <laughs> I'm, the, the I'm the more sultry. Well, like, they're like, my voice is so high-pitched and awful. And then you combine <laughs> it with like two voices that are relatively deep. Mine's easy to pick out from the, the yeah. crowd. I think Mike's uh, is deeper. I think uh, yours is deeper. Oh, God. Oh. Just... Well, let's uh, oh. we'll, we'll check the uh, the levels after the <laughs> Dave. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, DaveGlanzProductions.com and Twitter. Dave Glanz. That's G L A N Z, like zebra. And yes, um, and... <laughs> we guys, we really killed it this week. We are killing it. I always have to spell my last name for people. No, no, one no right. for sure. Yeah, I have the same problem. Everyone spells it with a C. Um, you can find me on the internet at LuckyNightStudios.com at uh, at Ivan Kander on Twitter. Uh, that's Kander, K-A-N-D-E-R. And uh, I write for a website called shortoftheweek.com, so you can find my writing on there and watch awesome shorts. So until next time, we will shrink some children. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. I can't <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you.